Welcome to Damn Good Brands. And now, here's your host, Nick Taylor. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Super excited about today's guest. Today we have Christine Catano. She is the global head of VR and executive producer at Framestore. So admittedly, I'm a huge kind of Framestore geek. They're a pretty amazing and prolific special effects and visual effects company that's been in existence for a long time. They've done the last few intro sequences for I think the last four Bond movies. I think everything, everything Daniel Craig for, has done, they've done the intro title sequences for, which are actually pretty amazing if you rewatch those movies, which are so awesome and so rewatchable. Although I wasn't a huge fan of Spectre or Quantum of Solace. It's kind of like every other movie is really good. But anyway, um, so they, uh, Framestore also created Baby Groot from Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which I just bought on Blu-ray and is uh, better with every single viewing. And uh, anyway, needless to say, they are a very, very cool company. They're doing a lot with virtual reality, as am I. So as, uh, as you can probably tell from this interview, I'm pretty passionate about the space itself. And uh, they're doing a lot of interesting work with brands, which I get into here. So without further ado, Christine Catano. All right, so I'm here at Framestore with Christine Catano. Christine, thank you for being on the podcast. Pleasure. Definitely geeking out a little bit just walking around the office. I've been a big uh, special effects nerd since I was a child and a uh, big fan of Frame Framestore's work. Most notably recently, Baby Groot was, mm-hmm. uh, was, was very, very, very cool. But yes. uh, yeah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So for anybody who doesn't know about Framestore, can you just kind of give us the overall top-down view? Yeah. Framestore is a 30-year-old visual effects company. We uh, got our start doing pop promos, and we are now um, doing visual effects for feature films, commercials. You mentioned Guardians of the Galaxy. We worked on a lot of the Potter films. Um, You know, you name it, we've probably worked on it in some way. And uh, we also work on commercial work. Uh, We do the Gecko Gecko and a lot of other visual effects for commercials as well. And VR. Yeah. So tell us more about VR. We started doing VR about uh, a little over three years ago, probably almost four now, right around this more recent resurgence of VR with, um, you know, we were early backers of the Rift on Kickstarter. And we had been working for a while in game engines as a way to bring sort of the 3D visual work that we do into an interactive space. So we were doing a lot of games, a lot of, you know, installations, all using kind of game engine platform as a way to create content in those spaces. So we, um, you know, really looked at the Rift as kind of a blank canvas and a way to kind of plug in what we were already doing into VR. So we started with uh, Game of Thrones, which was a hugely exciting uh, project to work on. And ever since then, there's been you know just some really great momentum to keep going with it. Yeah, I got to do the Game of Thrones experience. When it was first debuted South by Southwest, I was there, and the line was just insane. Was Me too. There, we were there. But, uh, yeah, that's really, really Completely exciting. exhausted behind the <laughs> curtains. But yeah, that, that definitely was an amazing, uh, that was an amazing moment for us. Um, you know, I think all within the same week, Game of Thrones launched and uh, Oculus bought, uh, I mean, Facebook bought Oculus for a few billion. And we had just won the Oscar for Gravity the weekend before. So it was just kind of like this perfect storm of of things happening for for us and for the industry at that time. So, you know, it really propelled us kind of continuing to 
to work and, and grow in this space. So from a VR perspective, could you t- give us a little behind the scenes as to what you guys are up to in an R&D capacity? Because it's so, <laughs> whatever you're allowed to tell us about. But I'm it's, sure there's yeah. all manner of cool stuff happening yeah. here. It's definitely, that's always a tricky question. I mean, for us in an R&D capacity, everything is about, you know, we try to get our hands on everything, every um, new piece of tech that's coming out. You know, we have lots of hardware and, um, you know, that's not released yet that we're, you know, demoing, making content on. We're working with some HMD companies that shall not name, but we're doing work on their platform. Um, So we're really just trying to get ahead in pushing the bar of what making content is in this medium, you know, in, in whatever form that may take. Sorry, I know that's pretty vague. No, but, no, it's yeah. cool. I mean, that indicates that you have something really, really cool that you're not allowed to talk about yeah. happening behind the scenes. But yeah, yeah, we'll... we're working on. I mean, we've got some stuff going on. Um, there's a couple, you know, obviously tapping back to our Hollywood roots. We're working on um, quite a few VR pieces mm-hmm. for some upcoming films or around upcoming films, and we're also doing some original stuff and also doing quite a bit of AR as well. Oh, nice. There's a big debate between VR and AR, and a lot of people think that they're it's it's kind of they're two competitive industries, which I don't agree with at all. Yeah, definitely not. From your perspective, how do you see these two different technologies playing out in the well, next few years? I mean, I don't think they're all that different. I actually <laughs> think they're pretty complementary. I mean, um, whereas VR might is a, is, an, is a simulated environment that kind of replaces the world that you're in, and AR is more overlaying information and data over the existing world that you're in. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, right now, they, they seem to have two different applications, VR being more entertainment-focused and AR being more utility-focused. But I think that's just where... Um, the content has gravitated and where there's been money to create content. I think a lot of people think eventually it will converge into mm. one device. And yeah, I mean, I think as the technology matures, it's not going to be mutually exclusive. All right. Do you think we're going to get to Iron Man level as far as what Tony Stark had going on in this house anytime <laughs> soon? Did you guys work on Iron Man, by the way? Um, oh, no, that was we, Weta. Or I think you guys were somehow involved. We've worked on actually a lot of the Marvel films in That's some capacity. Um, you know, Avengers and, right. and all that. And we did VR experiences for Avengers, two of them. So... Um, we know we know Tony Stark and his uh, HUD console very well. Right. You know, maybe. I think, you know, you look at a lot of the future projections and films of the past, and there's always some element of it's true, but it always takes some kind of a turn that mm-hmm. you didn't expect. So maybe, um, but I think it'll probably be a lot different than what we've seen in Minority Report. Right, or yeah, in, that Minority yeah. Report seemed like way in the future. Was Tony yeah. Stark's house and the whole setup he had there, that seemed almost feasible it just seemed kind of grounded like yeah i could see this happening eventually <laughs> we all want it to be true but hey like star wars chess it's happening lightsaber oh yeah that's right battles, that's right happening. i just saw that Wait, yeah lightsaber battles are happening yeah they're releasing um an ar experience that um you can do star wars chess which <clears> is immediately when when i had seen the magic leap tech for the first time i was like finally star wars chess can be made a reality because i'm a big star wars nerd um oh don't get me started we could easily go down that yeah, rabbit hole yeah <laughs> delete that no um <laughs> but yeah i think um yeah and so they're doing that and you can also do there's also a peripheral that allows you to do a lightsaber battle oh, that's um, awesome. in ar which should be pretty fun yeah oh, in ar mm-hmm Oh, nice, because I've seen the... I haven't played Trials it yet. Trials on Tatooine. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. I haven't played it yet, though. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. yeah. That's only for the vibe, though, I think, right? 
Uh, yes, it's in IMAX. Uh, it's in the IMAX VR. Oh, right, yeah. Um, the venues. one here, yeah. um, where is it? I think it's Kips Bay. Has yeah, there's IMAX one in VR. Kips Bay, and there's one in LA at the nice. Grove, yeah. Yeah, I haven't checked that out yet. I mean, it's kind of blown my mind that already movie theaters are adapting VR. Totally. Or adopting VR as yeah. a, from a cinematic perspective. For sure. I yeah. mean, from that and which industries do you think are more most poised to, to benefit or innovate with VR? I mean... Would it be films? Would it be brands? Would it be kind of all of the above? Not really sure right now. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? I mean, I don't know. You know, I don't think VR replaces any of those mediums necessarily. I think it's a new platform to either experience that content in a new and unique way and or create new content that evolves how we've consumed it on other platforms before. So mm. in the sense of like, sorry, that was very vague, but like, you know, I think, yes, you won't watch movies in VR. You've already seen like VR cinemas. And, right. you know, if you're sitting on an airplane, you can watch, you know, what seems like an IMAX movie in your seat with a headset on. Mm-hmm. But I also think there's an opportunity to create unique content from the story worlds that we experience on the big screen or in books or anywhere else in VR and a form of VR content that's unique to that medium alone. So I think we're we're kind of scratching the surface of that, but to answer to go back to your original question about what areas, I mean I don't think there's an area that can't utilize it and won't benefit from utilizing it. I think mm-hmm. we're seeing a lot of entertainment first um maybe that's where the dollars are people are more willing to experiment with money in that area and it might make the most sense initially to get people's attention like of course you know you're more willing to pick up a headset if there's star wars or game of thrones than you are if there's some unknown property or thing that you don't know about i get that but i think if you start digging, you know, you know that VR is not new. It's been around since the 60s. And, you know, especially in the 80s and 90s, it was used a lot, you know, in military training and all that. But it was also used, you know, to treat victims of PTSD and oh, right, people right. with anxiety disorders. And, you know, that's just scratching the surface of how we've seen it applied in sort of the health industry. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we recently attended and have been kind of keeping track on how this is being used in the health industry. And we see people that are doing building physical therapy apps, and you start to see how VR can revolutionize that experience and the effectiveness of mm-hmm. PT at home. And you start to see, like, you know, exercise. And I have a Peloton bike, and you imagine how that kind of goes from being something on the screen to something on your head when the form right. factor is more lightweight education, we're working on like an educational experience right now. I think all of that's really exciting when you start to think about all those different verticals beyond just as much as I love Game of Thrones, you know, beyond (laughs) that, I think that's where you start to get into an interesting territory. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the implications for healthcare in particular are interesting from Mm -hmm. a number of perspectives, from from the perspective of empathy, Mm -hmm. which I think VR has a huge capacity for. But Mm -hmm. I saw, I think it was Bear did a migraine simulation. Actually, it was kind of, I think it was AR, actually, Mm -hmm. because you were able to kind of, you were able to see through the HMD. Mm -hmm. I think it was kind of AR, VR. Mm -hmm. But it, uh, did you see that it simulated what it's like to have a migraine? And then they had two sets of people, people who had migraines and the people who lived with them. And just the people who lived with them put this on and they were Mm -hmm. able to experience all the symptoms of a migraine. And and they were just like, oh my God, I had no idea. And and I think you can even download that app. But I think from an empathy perspective, I think that's one of the biggest elements. Sure. I mean, you actually have an, an ability to 
to change, you know, to actually change certain things. We did a project for Time called Lumen recently. Um, it's for Time VR Life is their platform. Mm-hmm. And we did a project called Lumen. And it was, you know, originally intended to be this kind of meditative experience and it's now being used as part of something called Project Braveheart which basically is supplying kids about to go into surgery with VR experiences to reduce anxiety Um, and we've seen in the past you know um, other VR applications in hospital settings whether it's to reduce anxiety to Mm -hmm. distract people during chemotherapy to kind of educate people what the process is going to be beforehand of whatever the procedure they're going to have is to help reduce anxiety and maybe even effectiveness of the treatment we also saw you know um i saw a doctor neurosurgeon who was using mri data to create a 3D model of, you know, a brain and a brain tumor that was so accurate that he could actually perform the entire surgery without even looking at the human subject and look just at the, without looking at the patient and just look at the the 3D model. So he did it completely flying by instruments. And like wow. that's that sort of stuff kind of makes the hair on your arm raise where mm-hmm. you're just kind of like, okay, you know, it's super fun to, to do lightsaber battles, but at the same time, you're like, can this actually change the effectiveness and the ability that we have now to do things um, and do things better? And so was this doctor doing like remote surgery? No, no, no. I mean, he was, the patient was there, but okay. he didn't even need to actually look at the physical patient. He was looking at, he was looking at the the 3D model and doing it all kind of flying by instruments. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Um, so stuff like that is really amazing. I mean, it's not happening everywhere yet because it's still kind of in trials, but people are, especially in the healthcare sector, are, re- are really kind of interested in this sort of technology. I mean, training is also another great one, mm-hmm. especially for things that you need precision for, especially in high intensity or high anxiety situations. Yeah, you need to like kind military. of Yeah, you need to manage your anxiety in high pressure situations. We we've seen sort of like people do performance training. I know somebody uh, in here who has a company doing biometrics that is measuring like basically uh, certain levels of like certain stress indicators like heart rate and sweat and things like that to to help you calm down and perform and focus on tasks better. And it's really interesting because you just kind of see how some of these things really can start to snowball into new applications. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's overall it's going to teach us a lot about ourselves as humans. Everything from our mind-body connection to Mm -hmm. subconscious and not to get all woo-woo, but Mm -hmm. it's. I think it's really going to unlock a lot of questions about human cognition and its Mm -hmm. effect on the body. Mm -hmm. I think it was Samsung who did a whole series of VR experiences that inoculated people against fears, like a fear of heights. It would simulate that, fear of public speaking, fears of dogs. (laughs) Just it would do that to help people overcome these paralyzing fears by subjecting them to them in a virtual world Mm -hmm. and therefore inoculates them against the fear. Yeah, I I still don't think I could do virtual bugs though. Virtual bugs? Yeah, couldn't do it. That's like, that's my petrifying fear and I draw the line. I I would not want a virtual bug. Sam? No. Okay, they have like really huge like alien bugs, like Starship Trooper style bugs coming at you. 
I'd avoid that one. Yeah. <laughs> I'd avoid most of them. Yeah. Do yeah. you have any, um, so what would you say are your favorite VR experiences overall <laughs> across the board? Like whether it's games or branding oh, or anything that you guys have done here. I mean, what stands out is just some of your favorites Oof. from any perspective. Oof. I don't know. That's a hard one. Let's come back to that. Okay. I'll think about it. I know there's like, I've been asked this question so many times and I don't know. I think for me too, I think, and we all, everyone here tries to consume as much VR content as possible because Mm -hmm. I think there's something valuable that we can learn from each and every single one, you know, even if you know, something worked or something didn't work when you're creating VR content, especially in such early days where there's such a limited language and such, there really isn't the sort of broad language of doing this. Like there is with games and there is with films and, and TV and everything. Like you really want to try to take the tidbits of what works and doesn't work, take those learnings and apply them when you're coming up with new ideas or projects. projects. But yeah, let's come back to that. Cause there's there's definitely a ton of them, but yeah. Cool. Yeah, I mean, there's so many like little bits and pieces to the overall puzzle, and nobody's really, yeah, nobody's set the stage, mm-hmm. so to speak, the way that they have with films and games. Mm-hmm. And there's just, yeah, there's so many great experiences out there. Yeah. You learn like a little bit with each one. One that I saw recently that was at Sundance, which was probably one of the more powerful ones I've seen, it was a piece called Draw Me Closer. And, um, sorry, it wasn't at Sundance, it was at uh, Tribeca Film Festival okay. this year. Uh, they do s- Storyscapes, which is where they do like new media and VR. Right, right. And it was a piece that, and especially coming from a company that focuses so much on, you know, high end visuals and beautiful visuals, this experience was done, you know, just using basically the hand-drawn imagery. So it looked like sketches. And the concept is, is that, you know, you're a child and you come into a house and there's a physical space that you walk into and you have the physical space of the house. And it's the only VR experience that I've ever done where you have another actor in the scene that's also in the VR experience interacting with you in real time. Oh, so in real time. yeah, so here there's an instance of a, you're with your child and you're with his you're with your mom or or his mom and you're able to color with her on a sheet of paper on the floor and she gives you a pen and when you when you draw it actually works. So oh, that's cool. there's just these amazing um, moments um, of connection between the virtual and the physical world that makes that experience so much more powerful and yeah and it was that was probably one of the better ones that I've seen in the recent in the recent times I think it's not entirely scalable because you have to have the actor there but it's definitely kind of worth if you have the opportunity to check it out somewhere else it's worth seeing because I think that's when you really get the the sense of how powerful this medium could be and how yeah. different it is from other mediums that it's being compared to. And they had an actual live actor who was in yeah. I don't know, like a mocap suit or something. Who yeah, they were in trackers. In the... Yeah. Oh wow, that's crazy. Yeah, so it was like a full. It was like a full. There was a door that you open, a physical door you opened. When you laid down, the actor tucked you into bed. You know, there's physical paper and a pen. So. Yeah, and we've we've been playing around, you know, even since Game of Thrones, we played around with mapping physical and virtual environments and having them match. Like mm-hmm. in the first Game of Thrones we did, you're in a physical elevator that matches the virtual elevator that you're in. So all those things sync up, the floor rumbles, you get wind at the right time when you mm-hmm. walk out on the edge. So I think, you know, 
adding those physical cues help to trick, I guess, the other senses um, to convince you that you aren't in a simulated environment and that you might actually, this might be reality. Yeah, it's pretty easy to, I think from what I've seen through VR, it's pretty easy to trick your mind into thinking that you're there, even though you know you're in VR. There was, uh, I forgot who did it, but there was one height simulation where you're on the edge of a cliff yeah and i was in it it was i think it was at it was like a vr forum or something Mm -hmm. and the person who had it just said okay now just try stepping forward Mm -hmm. and even though i knew full well it was vr just seeing that drop i couldn't it took i was able to do it i hesitated and the moment i did it I literally felt my stomach just like go into my head, so to yeah. speak. It was just your all heart the, drops. All the years of experience mm-hmm. that we have of relying on our eyes to tell right. us like, you know, this is good, this is dangerous, this is not, you know, we basically have to kind of throw that away and convince ourselves and tell ourselves like this is a computer simulated environment. Right, yeah. right. So. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. From a brand perspective, one thing that we uh, at Lippy Taylor have been talking to our clients about is that mm-hmm. with VR, unlike, well, nowadays, it's difficult for brands to, to capture people's full attention because mm-hmm. people don't watch commercials anymore. When, even when people watch TV, they multitask. Mm-hmm. They always have a phone there to distract them from something where sure. VR is a medium. You have their complete and total attention and yep. you're pretty much firing on all cylinders as far as their senses are concerned. Mm-hmm. From that perspective, how do you feel or who do you feel are the best brands that are fully taking advantage of, of the VR as a, uh, a new marketing paradigm? I think the the brand approach to VR has been pretty mixed. Um, I think you, you said it very well in that VR offers an experience where you don't have distractions or additional mm-hmm. inputs. You are you do have the undivided attention of your consumer, of your audience, of the user. So I think what what happens though and what gets lost is when you have that attention, what are you going to do with it? You right. know? Are you going to deliver them the equivalent of a 30-second commercial in a headset? Or are you going to give them an experience that actually has value for them and gave them a reason to put on this probably pretty clunky headset and close out all of their other devices for however, whatever the length of time is. And I think right now there's no advertising. Yes and no. I mean, there's no real advertising that happens in between watching content or playing a game in VR. Mm -hmm. So if you are creating branded content in VR by its nature, it needs to stand on its own two feet and have value. It can't just be an ad in VR. Uh, I mean, it can, and people do it, but it's not very effective. I think people, as you know, are way more savvy to when they're being, you know, advertised to. So I think, you know, there's obviously lots of, of different ways of thinking about this from an opportunity perspective about how you how you give somebody a brand experience that has value for them, but also mm-hmm. encapsulates your brand or relates back to your brand in some way. We get, we get a lot of briefs that are, that are VR commercials. And I'm, you know, right now that's not the best approach for the medium, given how, how people can access it and the mm-hmm. content that's out there and who has VR Right, sense, you know, and as far as brands go, Marriott seemed to have been a really early adopter for VR. Yeah, we did. Um, we did two pieces with Marriott, and I think that's exciting. You know, when brands are when brands are diving into VR, I think the brands 
that have interested me the most are brands that are kind of willing to say, I don't know what the ROI is on this Mm -hmm. today in the metrics that we know how to measure every other medium that we advertise in. But we know that this is somehow going to be part of our business. So we need to set up, you know, incubators or we need to test the waters and see what we need to do in these areas that can ultimately future-proof us. Take, for example... um, Walmart has set up a big incubator for what the future of shopping is going to be. And, and, and there's a lot of, um, you know, money that's being invested in that mm-hmm. in investing in different companies or different or within the company and trying to figure out what that looks like for them. Yeah. Wayfair is another company that is basically scanning all of their inventory, their 3D inventory. And, and, you know, even though they're not using it right now, they know that it's going to be something that they use in the future like in scanning, AR. Like photogrammetry? Yeah, like they'll, they basically have all of their, all of their inventory as... I, as I understand it, as 3D assets. So essentially, wow. if you start to think about what Ikea and others are doing with putting you know, you have a phone and you want to see an item in your home or something mm-hmm. like that, you start to see how that's future-proofing them for what's coming in AR, so right. to speak. So I think, you know, it's less about the one-off marketing campaigns. And if that's what you need to do to dip your toe in the water, that's great as long as you're doing an effective piece of content. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also about thinking as a brand, how can we be using this new technology to solve a problem that we have? Right. You know, and less about the buzz and PR value because three years ago that was there, but right now, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's not as much. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's definitely smart when brands approach it from an R and D perspective and from a with without being so ROI cognizant and obsessed. Yeah. But by having incubators or, or just being willing to experiment with it because yeah. nobody's really set the precedent for best in class uh, VR marketing. Well, some companies have sort of, there've been some experiences out there that have been awesome, mm-hmm. but there hasn't been, I feel like now is the time when, when brands are going to start making their mark and mm-hmm. now is when the kind of best in class VR branded experiences are happening. And we're not going to get there without people experimenting and maybe failing a little bit here and there and having a few mm-hmm. you know, screw up, so to speak. But I think the yeah. brands that are just willing to jump on this and experiment with it are the mm-hmm. ones that are really, really going to make a splash in this industry. Yeah. And it's not just about marketing, I think. I think it's about how do you use this as a tool to solve problems for your company and your business right. and your brand, um, you know, whether it's using it in retail stores or it's, you know, doing, you know, something else with it. It's just... It's not just marketing. It's, you know, technology is effective when it solves problems. Right. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot, a lot of implications of that for VR. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. So how did you find your way into the VR industry? I've always been a producer by trade. Um, I worked on the agency side for quite a bit, doing a lot of experiential, new media, digital, mm-hmm. interactive projects. Many of them were what I always say they're like no formula projects because they haven't been done before or they were crazy. It's got to be so much more fun. Yeah, I mean... like traditional tried and true and tested areas. It's interesting because like when when people are like, how did you get here? And then I look back at just the jobs that I've had in my life and also who I am as a person. I'm actually Mm -hmm. not surprised that I'm here and I get to work on the things that 
I've nerded out about since I was, you know, five years old, nice. you know, it's I, a dream, right? yeah, I, um, you know, I mean, Game of Thrones, Avengers, um, Fantastic Bees, which is part of the Potter world. Right. I mean, all that stuff is amazingly fun stuff to work on. And, you know, most of us here are huge nerds in that respect. So, you know, I've always been really excited about working on projects that have these really deep story worlds and bringing them to life on different platforms. You know, the company that I worked at before, Framestore, was basically dedicated to doing just that and transmedia storytelling for brands mm. and for um, big IPs. Like, I did a lot of Game of Thrones work with them as well. And translating that to different platforms and how those, how fans engage with that content on different platforms. So, you know, for me, production has almost led me into doing what I love to do. Yeah, I definitely get jealous walking around this office and just the amazingly <laughs> cool stuff that you guys are doing. Yeah. Definitely a lot to be jealous of around here. Yeah. I mean, we get to, we do get to work on great stuff. I think, um, you know, that definitely keeps people really excited about what they're working on. Yeah. So any um, further thoughts on your favorite VR experiences? Draw Me Closer is definitely one of them. One that I really enjoyed was Notes on Blindness. I thought that was one of the better 360 video VR experiences mm-hmm. that I've seen. I think most of the VR I like is probably more interactive. Have you done raw data yet? No, I was at... That is insane. We, I was supposed to do it when I was at IMAX a few weeks ago, and um, I ended up doing a lot of other things first. <laughs> um, and I did... Actually, what was... I saw at IMAX. I have it at IMAX, but I saw it before that, which was the Raising uh, Ruckus piece that was done by VRC. Oh, I haven't heard of that. Yeah, it's um, it's a fully animated in Unreal Engine piece, and it's um, completely linear, non-interactive. And I usually tend to prefer more interactive VR experiences. I usually just find them more engaging. Yeah, and like the volumetric ones where you can walk around yeah, and absolutely. pick and, up. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I thought that was one of the few that I've seen that really kind of held me and was captivated through the entire, I think it was 12 minute experience. Mm-hmm. Which is a long time for, in, you know, VR. Yeah, minutes. it was, it was paced really well. I didn't get bored. I didn't wonder why was I here? Like, you know, I didn't get antsy and I thought that was done really well. I thought, you know, even all the camera motion that they done was executed really well because, you know, you didn't get nauseous Right. Or yeah, it's kind of crazy. The, like, time in VR, mm-hmm. your sense of time is completely and totally different. Like, you yeah. can be in the uh, HMD, it's head-mounted display, for those who don't know mm-hmm. what that stands for. Um, you can be in it for, like, 30 minutes and it can feel like five minutes. It's yeah. kind of crazy. Or you can be in it for five and it feels like 30, <laughs> um, which right. is which can definitely be true. You know, Job Simulator is is a classic one one. that is just, you know, you can't not mention that. And The Lab is another great one. The Lab is endless amounts of Yeah, I mean, things like that are great because you can just keep coming back to them. There's a lot of stuff on PlayStation that I've enjoyed. You know, Star Trek Bridge Crew is super fun. Yeah, I haven't done any PlayStation experiences yet. I was almost going to buy it, but I have an Oculus and a Vive at home. Okay. See, I I have the PlayStation at home. Oh, yeah? Yeah. But I'm I don't I'm not a PC person, so getting You're not a like PC person. Yeah, so getting like an Oculus and a Vive. Yeah, which you is need to like, get a kick in like a really serious yeah. hard drive. I already yeah. had a PS4, obviously. Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of great stuff, great games out there. 
Super Hot is another fun one that we really love to I'm, do. Yeah, I have not. It's like at the top of my list right next to Wilson's Heart on things to play. Yeah. Yeah, that one looks really cool. Yeah, one of my producers like came in and she's like sweating. She's like, I just got the best calf workout. And I'm like... Doing what? <laughs> Super hot. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah, because you do like a lot of like kind of squatting and right. you know, um, dodging bullets. Yeah, raw data and was like a workout. That's like a yeah. cardio workout. I yeah. almost took out my TV playing that. Mm-hmm. I did hit my ceiling. I cracked controller because mm-hmm. you have like you have like this lightsaber thing, and you're fighting these rogue robots, mm-hmm. and you get you forget like there is a moment where you just actually yeah. forget that it's it's fake, and you. Yeah. You're swinging that thing pretty hard and yeah, you can't do it around people. Someone mm-hmm. will get hurt, but yeah, with raw data that just totally blew my mind yeah. as far as the immersiveness of it and yeah. what I got out of it, the whole sense of loss of time. I think I was mm-hmm. playing for like an hour and a half, which is mm-hmm. decades in VR time, so yeah. to speak. And I was completely just it felt like I just had to work out. Yeah. You just forget and you just kind of power through it. Yeah. And a lot of the multiplayer stuff like adds a whole nother level of yeah. just kind of experience to it, which I think is is a lot of fun. Well, the only the, the only multiplayer thing I've ever done in VR so far was the Ghostbusters experience at Madame mm-hmm. Tussauds, which is arguably not very multiplayer. Yeah, the Void is great, yeah. The Void? Yeah, that they're who did the Ghostbusters Oh, that's experience. right, that's yeah. right. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. Um, we did, um, and that's a, that's going to be a big thing. I mean, it's already a a huge thing in Asia right now is sort of those, the arcades, like, you know, the big walk around VR experience. Yeah. Where they have like warehouses and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm waiting for the guys who did sleep no more to do something in VR. I feel like it's just like ripe for them to do something awesome. Yeah. But that's another thing is a lot of people are concerned about the isolationism of VR, Whereas I think that there are a number of companies that are trying to bridge that gap by making experiences that can be done with groups. I mm-hmm. forgot what Facebook did. I think it's just called Facebook Room spaces. or Oculus Spaces. Yeah, right. Facebook right. Spaces, yeah. How do you feel about that whole conversation? Yeah. I mean, you know, technology is neutral. It's how you use it. I, I don't think that VR has to be isolating. It mm-hmm. can be, but it doesn't have to be. I think the world's biggest social network wouldn't have bought Oculus if it wasn't... Right if it was isolating, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think obviously you're starting to see things like Facebook spaces um, and you start to see how that opens up possibilities for collaboration in workplaces, um, you know, education, connecting with, you know, people in different places and um, countries and connecting with your educator right. um, from somewhere else. And you start to see how, when we had a lot of sports companies coming in and being like, put me on the 50-yard line of the Super Bowl. That's what I want our our sports VR experience to be. And I'm like, sure, that's super cool. But for me, like, I'd rather watch a Penn State game with all of my roommates from college that I haven't seen in, you know, 10-plus hmm. years together and all just kind of joke and talk and be in the same place. And even though it's not the same as, you know – being in the same room, it's definitely pretty cool, you know? Yeah, yeah. We can have like those front row or, or courtside or yeah. fieldside. I don't know anything about sports. <laughs> Football <laughs> that's fieldside seats. Um, yeah, on the on the 50-yard line or whatever. Okay. Yeah, I think we're, we're getting to that point where you can, yeah, you'll eventually be able to watch a game up yeah. close with all your friends, so to speak. Lines, and you can yeah. hear each other and just kind of watch. And yeah, that's going to be pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, I think there's lots of possibilities. I think it's just sort of how you think about it, what your priorities are, what's important to you. I think there's yeah. lots of, um, you know, there there are tons of social and, and non-isolating applications for VR. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. I'm hoping they do something for the Mayweather-McGregor fight ringside, but probably not. <laughs> Are you a boxing fan? I'm an MMA fan. I'm a McGregor fan. Okay. Yeah, so I'm definitely, and you know, a little bit of a boxing fan, but more more UFC. But, okay. Uh, yeah, that's going to be quite a spectacle. But uh, yeah, if they were going to pull it out for anything, it would be for this event. It would be right. perfect for like a, a VR live stream. I but wouldn't I don't think be the surprised isn't if, quite there yet. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a 360 camera on the yeah, side Yeah, it's definitely on its way. Um, last question. So you got, we were talking about the importance of having like a, a internal incubator as far as companies are concerned when mm-hmm. it comes to VR and R and D and you guys mm-hmm. have an incubator too, right? Yeah. Sort we, of. We have, VR. um, we have an arm of the company, um, called Framestore Ventures, which is set up to identify, support, promote, original IP within the company, whether that's ideas, processes, content, things like that that come out of our normal course of business, things that we can push forward that don't necessarily have a client or a price tag attached to it. So we do we do, do um, quite a bit of that, and we have some original VR projects that are in that pipeline. Um, we also do quite a bit of R&D and partnerships with you know, other companies and JVs and things like that, that, you know, um, makes sense for us. And it's all in the name of just kind of exploring the world of VR and trying things that that haven't been done before and just kind of... Depending on who you're talking to, could be about (laughs) making money. Who knows? Well, yeah, yeah, there's that too. That's (laughs) definitely important. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I I mean, you know, all of, all of that. Awesome. Cool. A couple of just closing random questions. When it comes to work, what are your three, three to five go-to tools or apps or processes for doing better, more effective, productive, creative work? Because I feel like when it comes to, when it comes to the creative process, especially balancing creative and business, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, I always find it really interesting how people are able to balance those and what tools they use because creativity is not a linear process. So... Um, how do you how do you make it work? Good question. I mean, I'm probably pretty boring because I'm a producer by trade, so I work on lots of budgets and I also work on lots of pitches. So okay. I pretty much always have Keynote open and always Excel open. And then I use I probably couldn't live or get anything done without Post-its. Like actual physical post-its? Actual physical post-its. Yep. Um, there is absolutely no substitute for a good post-it, especially when you're trying to finish a project and, you, you know. Like physical reminders. Yep. And just, you know, just the the satisfaction of taking one off the board right. when you've completed a task and it's done is amazing. <laughs> and then I use uh, Trello a lot. It's sort of my digital post-it system nice. like project managed for like project management and such. yeah and just for like um you know just getting um personal tasks management as well nice yeah, yeah i need to use post-its more of i have the bad habit of writing things on my hand if i really want to get mm, them done yeah yeah it's a little i have weird. a kid i wash my hands a lot you know uh, okay, so, yeah, so that one wouldn't work no right. no 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 uh what was the last piece of um branded marketing or advertising that moved you and interpret that however you will. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that question. I was like, oh, I'm not answering that. And I actually saw, you know what the funny thing is? Is like I actually saw something really lovely. I think it was at the one show this year. And I can't remember for the life of me what it was at all. So I can't answer that question. Okay. We can skip Unless that I one. wanted to plug our field trip to Mars. Oh, okay. Tell us about that. 
We did a project uh, called Field Trip to Mars, which was we we worked with uh, Lockheed Martin and McCann Erickson to create a school bus that was outfitted with screens. And as under the guise of taking kids to, I believe it was a science fair, um, we once they got on the bus, you know, the screens were see-through, so they they started driving. And once um, the bus was in motion the screens, the windows went dark, and um, they basically were driving in the school bus on Mars. Um, That's cool. And it was, was it, really... It was full of kids, too? Yeah, it was full of kids. It was it was really amazing, um, you know, just from a technology perspective. It was really quite a beast to pull off, because as you're moving through uh, Washington, D.C. in real time, you're, you're making all of those exact same movements on the virtual Mars. So when you make a left... You make a left on Mars, mm-hmm. you know, you stop, slow down. Um, all those movements match the virtual environment that's being projected on those screens and the windows. So that was that was actually really exciting. I think it was definitely something that had a level of um, responsibility beyond just marketing. I mm-hmm. think getting kids interested in STEM is really exciting because those, you know, they said it quite a few times that those kids could be the first people on Mars, you know? Um, So, you know, just exciting a new generation to be excited in something new um, is is kind of a fun thing to be involved in. Um, And that was a really great um, piece for Framestore to be involved in. But, yeah, I mean, I think generally, you know, I I try to look at, at, you know, marketing that has a value beyond just, promoting the brands mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people kind of feel that way in some respect too. Yeah, even absolutely. if it's just even if it's just, you know, funny. Right. <laughs> um, doing it for but, education those are Yeah, huge yeah, yeah. But I think, you know, a lot of the social good campaigns um that I've seen recently have been kind of really innovative and I'm happy to see that brands are spending their money in, you know, worthy places. Awesome. Cool. And last, possibly most important question, Beatles or Stones and why? Uh, neither Fleetwood Mac. Real? <laughs> <laughs> through and through. <laughs> okay. Okay. Big Stevie fan, clearly. Totally, totally. Didn't she, wasn't she just touring recently? Like, so Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you get to see her? Um, I saw her, I saw her and Fleetwood Mac a couple of years ago. I've seen them a couple of times. Nice. Yeah. I, I, embarrassingly, I got into them because of American Horror Story. Really? Mm-hmm. Ah, interesting. Just somehow missed that boat in the past. I was like, she sounds amazing. Yeah, I checked it out. I've I was a big classic rock head, uh, or I am, and always always loved Fleetwood Mac as a kid. Big cool. Stevie Nicks fan. Nice. Well, this is a lot of fun. Thank you yeah. so much. People want to uh, follow you online. Where's the Where's the best place? <laughs> um, I don't really tweet a lot. Um, okay. And my Instagram is probably just all pictures of my kids, so um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to answer all right. that. All right, <laughs> never mind. Well, thanks so much, Christine. This was a lot of fun. Thanks a lot. All right.